You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. And good morning, everyone. As Bailey said, my name is Blair. I pastor here at the Gate, and it's my privilege to be sharing uh, the first message, the first Sunday message of 2018 with you. Um, it's customary at, at most churches to, to spend uh, this Sunday or the first Sunday of the year um, kind of refocusing, right, or, or talking about uh, maybe reflecting on the last year and talking about where we're going in the next. Some churches call it Vision Sunday or Vision, something to do with vision. Um, and so I'm excited to do that. I do wish, though, that it was uh, the year 2020 so that I could capitalize on what will be, mark my words, this will sweep the nations. Pastors everywhere will be talking about Vision 2020 in 2020 on the first Sunday of 2020. It's going to happen. <laughs> God willing, I'll be, I'll be here to, to experience that with you. Uh, it's going to be great. But it's 2018, so we're almost there. Um, it's been a while, though. I'm, I'm happy to, you know, be here under, under this roof together to, Two or three weeks ago was Christmas Eve, so we we had a, an, an evening service, which was really good. And uh, last Sunday was One King, One Kingdom, which was a citywide worship service. Many of us were there at Westside Community Church. That was a blessing as well. But all the while, it, it feels like it's just taken far too long to actually get back to this Sunday morning at the gate. It's it's good to, to be here, and, and thank you for being here. Uh, so like I said, that's... We're going to be kind of, uh, this message is not one of, of, an, of a series or anything like that. I just wanted to uh, spend the time that we had this morning together um, to seek God, to, to uh, focus a little bit, and to consider uh, what he would have in store for us as we uh, obey and follow him in the coming year and what that looks like. Um, are there any New Year's resolutions out there this morning? Hands up. And there's like two, three, nobody's, okay. Um, that's all right. I was curious. Very interesting. Um, New Year's resolutions like get a lot of flack these days, especially on the Internet. People make fun of, of those who have the audacity to actually resolve to change and do something as if the... You know, it's like, well, you might fail anyways, so why even try, right? There's a lot of negativity about New Year's resolutions and changing and whatever, all this kinds of stuff. But I think resolutions are actually good. You know, if, if, if you have it on your mind to set yourself to something and change, then I salute you. I, I believe that that is a, a positive thing and worthwhile if you're, if you're set on doing that, whatever it happens to be. I couldn't decide on a New Year's resolution, so I resolved to be more decisive in 2018. Uh, I'll see what happens. Yeah, resolutions get a lot of flack, but they're a good thing. I think they're important because basically a New Year's resolution is a goal, right? It's a thing which you kind of set before you. It's an ideal. It's, it's, it's a place that you feel that you want to get to or be over the next 12 months, and that's, that's good. Um, it's an admirable thing. Did you know that our church has goals? Our church has goals. Listen to this. Proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. 
Does anybody know what I just read? Excluding Greg. Purpose statement. That's it. That's our purpose statement at the gate. It's proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. You may be thinking, well, that sounds pretty general. It is very general because it is our purpose. It's our general purpose as a church. That's the overarching goal that we've set before ourselves. If you've never read it before, you can go to our website where we have that and and also what, what it implies, more details about that purpose. It's also printed out back there on the wall. It comes in part from Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians, I want to read 5 and 6. Listen to this. This is where our, our, our purpose comes from. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So at the gate, this is what we're about. We proclaim Jesus' name. In fact, we call it not our purpose statement, but our passion. This is our passion. We are passionate about doing this, proclaiming Jesus' name for God's glory. Now, why would we be passionate about doing that? To some, that would actually sound strange. Like, why? what's, what's, what's the deal with that? We're passionate about Jesus' name because he's reached out. He's touched our lives. He's pulled us out of the sin and darkness that we were wandering, wandering in. He's, he's saved us. He's given us new life. He's, we're, we're raised from the grave with him as he was on the third day. Right? We're affected by Jesus in the most profound way as his followers. And so we can't help but be, uh, it, it is our purpose, but more than that, we are passionate we're passionate followers of Jesus, and we're passionate about making his name known in Lethbridge and throughout the nations. So that's our goal. Generally speaking, it was our goal in 2017, and moving forward in 2018, it will remain the same. Our goal will be to continue doing this to proclaim Jesus' name for the glory of God. So, you know, I'm comparing this to a resolution, right? If it's New Year's, this is, for 2018, our resolution. But I think if anyone wants to, if anyone makes a a real New Year's resolution, you have to be uh, honest with yourself. You've got to be honest with yourself. If you're going to make a New Year's resolution that requires some kind of effort to get somewhere, you've got to be real about it. Let me give you an example. I was talking with... Uh, Matt this week. Where's Matt? There he is. I asked his permission to use him as an example. We were having a, a conversation on Friday. Can anybody guess what we were talking about? Our wives laugh. We're talking about bikes. <laughs> um, me and Matt were, were talking about bikes on Friday. There are a few of us at the gate who have a bit of a support system for one another. And actually this morning as I was riding here, I thought of a good name for it. We can call it Cyclegate, since at, like the support group name could be Cyclegate or something like that. It's good. So we had a, a short meeting on Friday, Matt and I, to discuss bikes. Uh, 
But for real, it, it's the end, end of 2017, and, and we track everything with writing, right? It's all, it's all tracked digitally. So it's very exciting when the year turns over because you have a year's worth of stats about your activities. And, and you know exactly how many kilometers you rode, how many, uh, what kind of elevation, like just really, it sounds nerdy, but it's very exhilarating to finally receive this data at the end of the year. So we were, we were comparing notes, I guess, um, talking about our, our highlights and kind of whatever, just nerding out a little bit. And, and that was good. And then, and then Matt was saying, well, I, can I tell them how far you rode? Yeah, he's, he's like, he's kind of lamenting because he's like, I rode just over 2,800 kilometers, which is awesome. Let's give him a, a hand. Good job, Matt. Very nice. Uh, but he was actually kind of lamenting. He's like, 2,800 kilometers, you know, that's actually so close to 3,000. It kind of makes me wish that I had just rode a little bit more and could, could have broken that, that 3K, um, whatever, you know, the barrier. And that would have been cool. And so, of course, I was like, well, next year, that's, you, you can do that, you know, it's, it's not that hard. Just a couple of kilometers here and there or, or a long ride or whatever, and you'll be, you'll be, 3,000 kilometers, no problem. Um, so we were talking about a goal for next year, right, with biking. But how, how ridiculous would it be in this conversation if he was saying, well, you know, I want to ride a little bit more next year and break 3,000 Ks. If I said, oh, yeah, totally, that's a super good goal. My advice to you is look at what you did this year and then do exactly that again next year, and that'll work out for you. That would not that would be illogical and and bizarre, right? He would be like, "No, I need to ride more if I'm going to get further. I need to do something differently to get there. You know, whatever it is, it's you've got to make a a change or adjust your pattern or whatever to to ride a little bit further in the year to come." So yes, resolu- resolutions are good. They're principles, they're goals. But um, if you're if you're uh, serious about making a resolution, you've got to be um, honest with yourself and humble enough to say, well, what needs to change if I'm going to get there, right? What needs to happen in my life or my my behaviors or habits or plans or whatever? You've got to make space and 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 possibly reflect and say, what ha- what has to change if this resolution of mine is going to mean anything at all? So it requires some kind of humility. So for us today at the gate in Lethbridge, Alberta, as a collective body of of believers and Christians, this is what we're going to be spending our time doing this morning just a little bit um, together, you know, as as a church. We're going to be uh, reflecting and possibly asking ourselves, or or, um, I'll be asking you maybe some tough questions just about, well, how can we be honest about the ways that we can change or grow if we're going to actually do that and reach this goal that, we, that we've set out before ourselves for 2018 to continue proclaiming Jesus' name for the glory of God and not just um, do that, but actually grow in that as a church, okay? So the question must be asked in the past year, you know, did we succeed in living out our passion statement as a church and, and, and what it implies? Did we succeed? Sometimes. Yes. 
often, actually, I believe. I think 2017 was a very good year uh, as a church. We, you know, we grew and, and we did change and we, and God was faithful through and through. So we have so much to celebrate and give thanks for looking back. But there's a temptation, you know, whether, whether it's for me as your pastor or just for us in general, there is a temptation to just look at those things, you know, the things that went well or, or whatever, whatever happened and, and the things that we celebrate and just, and just think like, well, yay, do it again, right? That's, that's an end of conversation. But you see what I'm saying? You kind of fall short if you do that. If you set a resolution or make a goal and you just think, well, all the good stuff, well, that was good, so let's just do the good things exactly the same and not actually change in order to pursue this goal, you'll probably just end up with the same results over the next year, which is fine, but the goal is to continue forward and grow and mature as a church. So we have to be honest about not just the successes, but also the failures or the shortcomings, right? The areas that we need to grow if we're going to uh, grow as a church. So I want to begin this year um, not just by, you know, celebrating the the positives or, or the victories or whatever and just being like, yeah, let's do it again. It's so, you know, we're so awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also by by humbling ourselves before God and, and actually spending time together uh, praying and and reflecting and seeking him, you know, as a church to, to find him and follow his lead. Does that sound okay? Uh, chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews, it starts like this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In order to run the race with endurance, what have we got to do? We have to get rid of the stuff that's weighing us down, right? You can't show up to a race. You can't expect to break 3,000 kilometers next year if you, if you're, if you, if you have all these things, like, like useless things that are distracting you and hurting you and weighing you down and, and all that stuff. No, you, you, if you want to run the race with endurance, you, you set aside the sin which clings so closely in order to endure and run with freedom. So what would this look like for us uh, as a church? What, would, what does this mean, you know, moving forward and, and pressing on towards the, the high standard and the goal to which we know that God has called us to? We could restructure programs. We could uh, reformat the e-bulletin, uh, you know, change the way we do the service. There, yeah, okay. There's specific things. But more generally, this morning... I want us to set our hearts to God in, in prayer and humility. So let's look at the, at the commandment which Jesus has given all Christians, the greatest commandment, in fact, he calls it, twice in the Gospels. 
And we'll kind of settle there and see what that can mean for us. If we read in Mark 12, 28 to 31, it says this, And one of the scribes came up, and they heard them disputing with one another. So there was an argument with Jesus. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked them, Which commandment is the most important of all? What should our priorities be? You could take it that way. Jesus answered, The most important is, and then he quotes scripture from the Old Testament, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So what I'd like to do is, is take this greatest commandment. I'll separate it in half for, or, you know, it's kind of two commandments in one. We'll talk about the first half and then we're going to pray about that. I'll lead us through a prayer about that. And then we'll talk about the second half and I'll lead us through a prayer about that and set our hearts on, on God and see, see how that goes. So first half of the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God. How much? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love your God, the Lord your God with everything. This commandment has to be the foundation of what we do as a church. It has to be. It's the, it's the command which Jesus made plain as day. They asked him, what's most important? And this is what he said, love God. Love God with everything. It's got to be our foundation, our love for God. It has to guide our decisions, our actions, you know, our words, our plans. Everything we do as a church has to stem from or, or in some way flow from this love that we have for God. We operate out of this love that we know that God has shown us and that we have for him. So again, the standard is high, the bar is high. We love him with everything but surely we've fallen short of that from time to time. There are times where we just don't make it there. Sometimes we're falling short. We fall short whenever we do church out of any agenda other than this love for God, right? We fall short when we make this about something other than the glory of Jesus, which he so uh, obviously deserves. Thinking, uh, thinking, sorry, thinking about this, preparing, I was reminded of God's word to the church of Ephesus in Revelation. So in Revelations chapter 2, uh, well, in Revelations, God speaks to seven churches and, and is, is straightforward with them, you know, about the, the things that they're doing well, but also how they need to repent and return back to him. So I wanted to read Revelations 2, 2 to 5 in regards to this command to love God with all of our heart because it speaks quite clearly about it. This is God speaking to Ephesus, the church. He says, I know your works, your labor, and your endurance. I also know that you don't put up with those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles but are not, and you found them to be liars. You have shown endurance 
and put up with a lot for my name's sake, and you haven't gotten tired. So he's commanding them for these things. But this I have against you. You have let go of the love you had at first. So remember the high point from which you've fallen. Change your hearts and lives and do the things you did at first. If you don't, I'm coming for you. I will move your lampstand from its place if you don't change your hearts and lives. I find these words quite fitting. God honors endurance. He honors the pursuit of truth, right, and integrity in those areas. But let us not lose the love. Let us not lose the love for the Lord our God. So now I'd just like to spend a minute uh, praying together. If you'll bow your heads with me, I want to pray about this. Lord God, we come to you this morning truly in need of your grace in so many ways. And God, we worship you because the amazing thing is you meet us there with faithfulness. Your steadfast love never ends. Your mercy never ceases. God, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And so, God, to start off this year, we we just seek you with humility and repentance for the fact that, indeed, there are times when we live and we work and we operate as a church in ways that fall short of this. There are times when we forget this love, God, which, which we've called us to. Lord, forgive us for any time when we glorify ourselves. God, forgive us for when we create idols and turn to them instead of glorifying you as the true God. God, let our ministries as a church this year only come from the fullness of your love inside of us. Holy Spirit, would you draw us closer to you in order to accomplish what you would have us do in Jesus' name in 2018. Amen. Okay, moving forward. Love the Lord your God with everything. And then the second command is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Every time that God brings this verse to me, which is often, I'm almost overwhelmed by what it implies. Love your neighbor as yourself. My neighbors, shall I hate them? No. Shall I ignore them? No. Shall I tolerate them? No. Shall I avoid them? Mm. God says I should love them. God says I should love my neighbors. All right. Maybe just a little. God, how much should I love my neighbor? Perhaps just a tiny bit. To that, God says, Blair, love your neighbor as you love yourself. God knows that that is a lot of love. It's true. That's why he said it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's good, though. How can my neighbors... Know the good news. How can they hear this proclamation in my life of the gospel of Jesus Christ if I'm continually 
withdrawn from them or avoiding them because of excuses or fears that I have? Right? How can I possibly love my neighbors? How can I obey this command if I don't actually step out to somehow do this and practice it? We have to, I believe, step out and grow in this area. We have to intentionally continue to grow and be intentional about the way we are connecting with those that God leads us to as a church if we're going to reach this goal of proclaiming his name for his glory. I have neighbors. You have neighbors. This church has neighbors. We have to love them. And again, just getting personal, I know how much room I have to grow in this area. And I know that we as a church have room to grow in this area as well, loving our neighbors. But if it's, uh, uh, let's pray about that now for a minute as well. If you'll bow your heads with me. Lord, again, I want to thank you for working in and through us so that we can truly love one another. You've shown us what love looks like so that we can Uh, reflect that to the people around us and we thank you for this god there are so many times when we rebel against this command or we or we ignore it lord this command to love our neighbors god may we by your strength resist this temptation god give us the strength to to be uh, less selfish and more selfless god may we be generous in this year that's coming Lord, forgive us for when we we choose you know our own ways or, or we prioritize ourselves over other people. God, I pray that our church would be known in this city for its love. God, would you pour out your love in this place, not just so that we can know it, but so that our neighbors would know it and know who you are and how awesome you are. Lord, grow us in this way and and lead us. Show us how we can grow in this way to be the people that you're calling us to be now and forevermore in the future, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness to work in our midst in this way. And we pray with the psalmist in Psalm 79. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Deliver us, atone for our sins, for your name's sake, we pray. Amen. How are we doing? This is good. Uh, It's a little bit different from a regular Sunday message, but thank you for, um, I guess, staying (laughs) and not leaving. I don't know. I'm not sure what you would do, but... Uh, just to, no, I think it's, I felt quite strongly, you know, knowing that this was an opportunity with our first Sunday together in, of the year to just spend some time praying as as a corporate unit that we call the gate in humility and, and even repentance and being honest about the the where we're at and the fact that we are not perfect and acknowledge that. But our God is perfect, and we follow him where he's leading us in order to reach this goal which we've set out of proclaiming his name. And I don't know if, if the things that I'm speaking about today ha- might be affecting you personally. Maybe the, the Spirit is 
convicting you and leading you to repentance, you know. Um, think of it this way. You know, it's the same thing with New Year's resolutions. You, you kind of see the path that you're going down, and you think you have some foresight. So you think, well, where is this leading me? And, and you realize, no, that's not actually where I want to go. So repentance is where you uh, turn back to the, the correct end goal and, and go on that path instead. So if that's what God is speaking to you, and I don't, I don't know what it would be in your life, but if, if you're feeling that, don't ignore God's leading in those areas either. Pay attention to what he may be telling you about um, living these things out uh, in your day-to-day, the ways that you can uh, turn back to him and, and be fully, more fully surrendered to him in your life. Uh, that's good. If you'd like um, people to pray with, as the service closes, we will have prayer ministers kind of in the back corner there if you want to pray with someone about that. I'm excited, you know, looking forward. I'm really excited. Like I said, 2017 was a good year. And the reason that I'm excited about where we're going is because I know God is there. He's already there, right? God is. God goes before us. He's, he's with us, but he's also behind us. God is not constrained by time as we know it. So, uh, 2017 or 2018, I should say, like definitely happy new year because where, wherever God's leading us, he is there and he's good. He's faithful and he will be working. I don't know what it'll look like, but I know that God is good. Um, I will invite the band up to the stage now. And as they, uh, begin playing. We're going to transition into uh, communion, which I'm also very excited about. Communion is always good, but what better way to to begin our year as a church than by taking communion? So uh, in a moment, I'll invite you to come receive the juice, the juice which represents Jesus' blood and the, the broken cracker, which is the body, a symbol of of the way that he was killed on the cross, the way that he laid down his life for our sins. And when you do come and take these, let's return to our seats and and wait uh, until everyone has taken the elements, and then I'm going to lead us in taking communion together, you know, as a symbolic act of unity, a uh, spiritual act of unity, of of, again, surrendering to God, coming back to the cross as imperfect people to know the grace of a perfect God who, who loves us and forgives us, fills us with his, his spirit and his presence. Psalm 137 to 8 says, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for the Lord For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel for all of its iniquities.